0: Next up on the Hyperfast Wealth Show, Sunil and I will be discussing good debt versus bad debt, a topic that can really impact your financial net worth. So stand by for the next episode of the Hyperfast Wealth Show. All right, Sunil, how's it going today? Good, good. I'm here in uh, sunny
1: Arlington, Virginia today for a change.
0: Well, it's always nice when the the weather is, is nice. I'm, I'm down in the, uh, the hyper-fast Florida studio, so we've got plenty of good sunshine. It's always sunny studio, yes. <laughs> All right, so today I think we should talk about good debt versus bad debt because there's, there's a lot of people out there uh, that talk about how debt is bad and you shouldn't have debt. All right. But on the other hand, the wealthiest people in the world have a lot of debt. Most of them do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, let's talk about that. We'll talk about the different types of debt.
1: I think that it's a topic that a lot of people don't understand very well. Um, Again, people who are in the real estate world who are either developers or kind of new to this thing, uh, they know development, they know real estate, but the whole financing and debt side is something that, you know, I've also, you know, learned over the last 10 years. So, I, you know, I kind of consider myself, a, you know, a, an expert in both the development side, but the finance side as well. And um, like you mentioned, I think you have, you know, kind of two general camps of people when it comes to debt. Um, at a high level, you've got the people, who are, all debt is bad, all debt is bad. You know, a lot of people who grew up in the Great, uh, great Depression who are kind of a little bit on the older side, just the idea of debt, like they just can't even you know, fathom that. They don't, all debt is bad. Uh, then you've got the other end of the spectrum, maybe the, the younger folks who, um, you know, just charge it all up, right? It doesn't matter. It's, it's dead. I can buy it today. Why, why not have it today? If I, you know, Why wait till tomorrow if I can have it today? But I think, you know, the smart, you know, wealthy folks, if you really see what they're doing, they're using debt as a tool. Debt as a tool, just like anything else. Uh, so if you think of it that way, um, you can use it to your advantage versus just saying it's good or bad. It's not not black and white like that. Um, certainly, you know, I don't believe much in, you know, kind of consumer debt. I have no credit card debt. I have no, you know, car debt. I, you know, I still have a mortgage, but I'm trying to get rid of that as well. That mortgage is kind of questionable. We can talk about that in detail if you'd like, but I do have a lot of debt when it comes to our real estate projects, as you know. So I think if you can use it as a tool, if, if the debt's going to make you money, that's a, that's a simple kind of way to think about it. If you're going to take on debt and it's going to make you money, it's good debt if you're going to take on debt and it's going to lose you money or you're buying a depreciating asset, then yeah, that's, that's bad debt. Really, really think twice about that. So that's kind of, you know, I think the high level overview of, you know, the of debt and why it can be good or bad.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree with, with most of that. Not, not all, probably one, one thing stood out, but that's I, I, what I liked uh, best. Those when you said debt is a tool, which is yep. like, you know, because there's people out there that actually think money is bad and and Mm -hmm. like, like debt money is also a tool. If, you know, you can, if you're a bad person, you can use it to increase that. If you're a good person you can use it to increase that. Right. And and that's really, you know, debt is a tool. If you use it wisely, it's going to amplify that decision. If you use it poorly, it's going to amplify that. So, right you got to think of it as a tool and then ask yourself, how do I use it to build wealth, not destroy wealth? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um,
1: yeah, I think that, you know, again, um, I mean, as you know, we, we, we have a fair amount of debt on our projects and every every project we, we take on has debt. Uh, when I first started, actually my very first two projects, I did hundred percent in cash, uh, partly because I didn't even know you could get debt on these type of projects back then. Uh, but, you know, mostly because I didn't wanna, I just, I was new to it a lot of, you know, I didn't have a track record. So a lot of people were probably not even gonna lend to me anyways. Um, But then I, you know, I did those in cash, those were successful, but then I realized, you know, hey, I can go get, you know, bank debt at at relatively cheap rates. I mean, today we're getting it in the fours, which is very, very cheap money. So it's a no brainer, right? If you're gonna, you know, do a million dollar project and you're gonna put 25% of your own money into it, 25% and let the bank finance 75%, that same million dollars, you can do four projects. Why wouldn't you do that? Versus, oh, just take all your million dollars and put it into one project. Uh, it just, it's just—it's a no-brainer if you can leverage it with bank debt, and uh, you know, especially at the low rates
0: we have today. If you're doing a good a good uh, project in real estate, whether it's buy and hold, flip, mm-hmm. development, you know, you should you should have minimum double double digit returns on that. If if you're you know, otherwise your criteria is a little off. I think you're you're picking right. a bad property. So if you can go borrow at low single digit rates. Right. you're uh, you're gonna really compound how much your money makes and that's that's why today even you'll see people buy it like you know big apartments that are stable and have been producing the same income they'll, they'll buy them at really really low cap rates mm-hmm. but they get the debt at a lot lower and, and so you know they're still able to get double digit cash on cash returns because of that No. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of that leverage, right? And if you, you know, if you if you do everything in cash, then you know your margins just aren't going to be that high. You're gonna you're going like you said, that same million bucks will uh, do one project versus four if you use debt. So it allows you to scale and 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 make more money with your money.
1: I mean, it's, it's a no brainer. I mean, in terms of, again, as long as you're, you know, again, I think any, anybody who, who you talk to that's been successful will say pretty much say what I'm saying is that, again, it's used properly. It's a, it's a wonderful tool. Um, you know, imagine trying to build a house with no tools. I mean, that's going to be really tough. So the tools can allow you to do things that you couldn't do otherwise. Um, and yeah, it's, it's um, I mean, again, even, even another way to think of debt um, is like, like you were kind of alluding to, it's like even, in, even in, in an arbitrage situation, right? If you're, I mean, that's what banks do, right? They basically, they take our money and they pay us, you know, very, very low rate, like 1% and they're lending it 4 or 5%. So essentially their entire business model is just that spread that they're making. So the same thing with us, why not do that? If, if I can lend, if I can get the money at 4 or 5% and I can make over 10% return on my money, why wouldn't I do that? I mean, that's just, that makes, you know, it's, 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 no, it's a no brainer. Um, Even if you were borrowing money at a low rate to put into like our fund, for example, where we pay 15 to 17%, I mean, it's still a no brainer because you're still making that spread. And and why wouldn't you You do that all day long and, and, you know, make a lot of money. That's essentially the banking industry, that their entire industry is built on that model.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I think maximizing your leverage, if it's with good assets makes a lot of sense. So like, I just, I just did this on, a property I own, and like the value went up, and I w- went to the bank to refinance just to get the rate down, you know, from like four to three, which is amazing to even think about. But yeah, and then uh, the, I saw the appraisal came in really, like pretty high, and uh, and I was asked to make hey, can I can I take money out, <laughs> and, right. and you know they let me take a chunk of cash out. It's it's not taxable. Like if I sold the property. Uh, now it's just money that I can go invest in. I'm paying like just under three percent on it. So anything I make over that, you know I'm, I'm like doing doing really really, really well. so i'm I'm you know instead of that equity kind of just locked up in that home, i'm I'm able to scale and 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 do more. And now so I think for real estate, you know debt is good. I think you got to make sure you're able to pay it. All right? this is where people sometimes get in trouble. They, they they buy a real estate property that you know, they they can't afford to make the monthly payments if if anything goes wrong, right? Like they assume like yeah. this will, you know, if prices go up and this happens, you know, then they assume like six things that that, that need to happen for right. them to for it to make sense and then, you know, one of them happens and and they're screwed. So I think you got to think the opposite of that. Think like, you know, it would take these six or seven or eight events to happen, all of them. Right. For right. And not be able to pay yeah. this back. Right. Like, like any, any one of those switches is up, the circuit's broken and, and I'm fine. So, you yeah. know, have, have alternative plans for the, the property, have uh, enough cash reserves, uh, all that kind of stuff. Right. If, if you're able to, <laughs> you know, make sure you, you, you have the ability to, to pay it no matter what happens, the debt's going to make you more money because you can ride out any cycle down, up, sideways, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, again, what you're getting at is like, you know, whatever you're using the money for, right? Like we talked about earlier, if you're certainly if you're taking money out of your house or a property like you mentioned and you're buying a brand new car with it, okay, hey, that's not probably a good idea because that thing's going to be worth half probably in a year or two. So, you know, you're still going to be liable for that debt. But as long as you're using it for something that's going to make you money, and something where you're like you said, it's not like a 50-50 is going to make you money, but very, very certain, and a number of things would have to go wrong before that scenario wouldn't play out. Again, again, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. Um, I've done, you know, you sound like you just recently did that. I've done that over the years, where I've, I've taken, you know, a lot of money out of some properties, as long as they had equity in them, through a debt, through through a, fi- you know, a second mortgage or a, a home equity line, things like that. Um, so yeah, I, t- I think it's you know definitely the way to go. As long as you're, you know, smart about it.
0: Now, you you said you were a little on the fence about real estate debt for your primary home. So, what's what's that all about? Why is why is that maybe different?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think because um, you you know well, well I, I definitely credit card debt. No, uh, pay your credit cards off. Car debt, all that type of stuff. No, uh, primary residence, you you can write off the interest. That's one big thing. So you do get some tax benefits of that. And again, it's like, what are you using the money for? So if you're, um, you know, again, let's say you have a million dollar house and you pay it off. If you can get a, a home equity line against it and still use that money to make money, then I think that's fine because you're kind of using that money that's locked up in your house. You can kind of think of your house as a, as a big bank account, right, that's worth a million dollars. And um, the, the only kind of downside with a, with a 30 year fixed mortgage is there's not that much flexibility. You can't just pay it off and take money out in and out kind of thing. Uh, but still, um, I wouldn't. You know, if if you have, let's say, hundred thousand dollars to pay off your mortgage, but you could take that hundred thousand and and make fifteen percent return on it, I would definitely take the hundred thousand. You know, take the fifteen percent return, because on the other end, you're probably paying three four percent for your mortgage, and you're getting a tax benefit on it. So um, that's why I'm kind of like, I don't completely agree in paying off your house.
0: Yeah, and I'm 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 there with you too. I. I mean, if you can get under 3% 30 year rate, like. It's you hard know. to beat that. <laughs> um, but make sure you got reserves set aside. Make sure you got the income to cover it. And then mm-hmm. make sure you, you invest the money that, that you would have paid the house off with potentially. The the other, the uh, the one I maybe feel differently about than <laughs> you is the car.
1: Car. Right. Because you can,
0: it, right? <laughs> well, you can, you can. Borrow for the car like at three percent, so right, right, right. Um, if, if you've got a fifty thousand dollar car uh, and you have fifty thousand dollars in cash, mm-hmm. um, in theory, you could go buy it in cash, but I, right. I personally, and maybe not as comfortable, I'd rather uh make a down payment on, on it, whatever they need, and then right. take the rest of that cash and go. Go invest it, make ten percent, fifteen percent, and then you know pay the three percent monthly on that because then you know now I'm making that five, six, seven, ten point spread on 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 the difference there. But um, you know, I would say this: like, make sure that you could afford to pay it off. <laughs> then make sure that you can afford the monthly payments, and make sure you do invest. You know that that money and something that can comfortably, safely beat the rate the loan is. If you can do all that, I think I think it's a different story.
1: But no, no, I absolutely, I hundred percent agree with what you're saying in that aspect. I think I think unfortunately the average person who who you know is out there is they're going and getting car debt. They can you know kind of not even afford the payment sometimes because they're always kind of trying to get a better car, and then they're not really doing anything with that money, right? They're just you know they're not really taking the fifty thousand right. the car. They're just. Buying a fifty thousand car that they couldn't afford anyways, and then that thing's worth you know twenty five thousand when they go to sell it, and their, their debt is still thirty thousand or thirty five thousand. So I, I think in that scenario, that's a very you know dangerous game. But yeah, if you're if you're saying hey, I can take fifty thousand, put it in this car, I can take fifty thousand um, and invest it, and then you know have the bank finance the car, I, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's a because um, car car debt, like you said, is also very very cheap right now, and you can almost get hundred percent financing on cars. So you don't, sometimes you don't have to put anything down. Um, depending on your debt. So, um, and, and one other thing, uh, you know, types of debt, I think people, you know, out there listening may not totally understand this. So I want to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, typically when you're, you know, financing real estate, there's two types of debt. Uh, there's kind of like what I call residential or consumer type of debt, like the kind you would go and you know, buy, buy your primary residence with. And those type of loans are uh, looking at you as a person. So, of course, you're buying the house or look at the house, get appraisal, those kind of things. But they're saying, what is your credit score? What's your income? They're looking at you as a person. But most type of commercial real estate debt, which I think a lot of people don't know even exists really, um, that, that's when I first started, I didn't even know this either. They're looking at the property. So, they're saying, well, you know, okay, you're going to buy this property and you're going to fix it up and sell for this. Okay, those numbers make sense. We'll lend it to you. Or, hey, you're going to buy this property, you're going to fix it up and then rent it and the cash flow will pay off our debt. So they're not looking at you that they still might, you know, pull your credit score and things like that. But you know, the last X number of loans I looked, I did, the banks haven't even, you know, they haven't pulled my credit. They haven't really looked at my financials really. I just give them a kind of a basic, some basic numbers. So they're looking at the property. So I just want people out there to understand that, you know, if you're trying to get into real estate, if this is something, you know, relatively new for you, look for those type of uh, type of lenders that are looking at the property and do the numbers make sense? And again, especially if you're starting out, the bank is almost like another set of eyes, and they're going to make sure that you get into a property that's not going to, you know, screw you. But of course, screw them is what they're looking out for. So those type of lenders tend to be, you know, our local community banks, uh, hard money lenders are always like that, and there are even some. I, I'm not using the right terms, but the residential side lenders who have products that are, are like that. So just want to make sure that people understand that type of difference as well, because that's a question we've had a lot in a lot of our social media posts.
0: And one, one is recourse, another is non-recourse, is that correct? Or, um, or first, maybe not all the time? <laughs> yeah, the first type is always going to be recourse, the type okay. of thing they're looking at
1: you because that's why they're looking at you because they want to say, is this guy going to pay this back? They don't really look that hard at the property. The second type can be recourse or non-recourse. Um, more of the development loans tend to be recourse, but yeah, if you're buying, you know, larger properties or cash flowing, you can. There's a lot of products out there that are non-recourse, where the only thing the bank can go after would be that property and all of your personal assets, and you are protected. That's the difference between recourse and non-recourse. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to make, you know make sure people kind of understand that. That's the uh, there. There are a lot of different types of products out
0: there. Well, I think you know overall, debt is is a really effective tool if you use it wisely. You look at the richest people in the world. They're using it. The largest corporations in the world are using it. And, you know, if, if you want to grow, if you want to expand, mm-hmm. it's going to help you get there a lot quicker. Again, if you, with the caveat of if you use it correctly, like any any tool used the wrong way can cause serious damage. But Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if I uh,
1: use a hammer properly, I can build a house by hit somebody with it, it's not going to be a good situation. So it's the same thing. Any tool is good or bad. It's really the operator, the human behind it, of course. Um, and one other thing I just want to throw out there too about debt that I think might help our, uh, our, our listeners, especially some of the newer folks is that um, I think there's also like, you know, when you're looking at buying a real estate property, uh, just also understand there's kind of three general types of, you know, um, like levels of debt or whatever you want to call it. Uh, certainly you can buy stuff in cash, like like we talked about earlier, that's, you know, no debt. Uh, But again, you have to look at if I took that money, what could I be making with it? Uh, The other end of the spectrum is kind of the the cheap uh, um, non-recourse commercial debt, which we talked about as well, which is, you know, tends to be in the threes and fours right now, uh, very low interest rates, uh, but a little bit harder to get because you're going to have to have a track record. And, you know, they're going to, they are going to look at your kind of overall financial picture, but in the middle is kind of hard money as well. That is an option, uh, especially if you're starting out. Uh, they're not going to be as stringent on what they're requiring. They're going to absolutely look at the property. You're still going to have to have some skin in the game. Uh, I personally am not a fan of hard money. I've used it a few times over the year, but I recommend actually not using it. But if you're starting out and that's your only option, then absolutely, it's a a tool to get you to the level where you don't need it anymore, if that makes sense. Uh, Get get to the point in your career where you can, um, you know, just get the kind of the the, the better, cheaper um, commercial debt. Uh, I personally kind of went from cash to that, to the commercial debt. I never use, I use it a couple times just to try it. But um, just again, as an option out there for folks that um, are scratching their head and like, huh, I don't have the credit. I don't have this. How am I going to kind of get this project done? Uh, hard money lending again is a tool if used properly um, that can be very, very effective. Um, and again, uh, a, a couple other points which your listeners might find you know helpful on this is that um, again, it, it's hard money is good. Uh, the two things just to watch out for if you're going to use it, uh, number one is that it's expensive. And if you're doing a project, I remember the couple of projects I did with hard money, I basically like, they made as much as I did in the project. So we were almost like <laughs> part of the project. So it was like, uh, you know, like I don't, next time I do this, I want to do, I don't want to do all the work and they're making half the money. Uh, so that's one thing to understand it is expensive, but again, it will get you kind of past certain points if you want to. Uh, the other thing to understand that because the rates are high on hard money typically it does put a lot of pressure on you to get the deal done. Like you, you might make decisions, you might dump a project quicker than you should have. Uh, I do remember actually five lot subdivision I did I had a, a kind of a hard money or second loan on it and um, I think I did looking back on it probably dump it too quick because I was like oh my god 14% interest rate everything I'm looking at my monthly thing it's just adding up and up. So just if you're gonna get into the hard money thing again like I'm saying I'm I'm, I'm I don't want to confuse anybody, but it, it is a good tool if you use it properly, but just be aware of those two things that you're going to face. Uh, it's expensive and it will put some pressure on you to perform. And if things kind of don't go perfect in this project, uh, you're going to have a lot of pressure to kind of either dump it or do something with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if your project ha- has a big enough margin, enough profit in it, that the, the higher rate you pay for it still makes sense. And that's the only way you can get the deal done. When it's it's something to potentially look at. You know we've we've come a lot across a lot of successful investors that that used hard money, started with it and you know some of them still you know stick with it for for whatever reason. but if, if, if again, if the project is you know good enough, if it's like 25 percent, 30 percent, or higher kind of deal, and, and the hard money is costing you, you know, 12, 14 even. I mean, there's, it's, there's still a big spread there. It's still going to make sense.
1: Yeah, again, it's like,
0: it's like, like we said, if you need to use it, definitely use it. It's, it's better to do do
1: a deal with hard money and make money than to do no deal at all. That's better. But if you don't need it, certainly, you know, try to go with uh, traditional financing. Much, much cheaper, and, uh, you, you know, it, it won't cost you as much and won't put as much pressure on you that something goes wrong in the deal. I got to get it
0: done tomorrow kind of a thing. So if you want to get wealthier, get get getting more debt, just just make sure it's good debt. (laughs) (laughs) Getting more good debt. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for Sunil and thank you to all our listeners. Make sure you like comment and share this video and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests to improve our shows. And give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around to the end. If you want to see more videos like this, click right here. And if you want 10 tips from Sunil and I on how we've built wealth through real estate, click right here to download them instantly. And if you're new to the channel, click below to subscribe and turn on post notifications so you don't miss out.